It is showtime, baby. Here we go. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, three. There you go. Jeff Green. Oh, wow. Sorry. As this game is going on, he's feeling it, and you can see he's rising to the occasion. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Oh, awesome, baby, with a cap of the line. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. This is your captain, baby. Hey, come with me. The doctor is now in. And a happy Monday to you. Glad to have you aboard, abroad, abreast. Whatever turns you on, we are here on a Monday afternoon recapping a very busy and somewhat chaotic college basketball weekend. We will dive into that as uh, we storm into the studio straight off of some court storming. We'll hit that today. Yes. Marco D'Angelo in the house. Numchuck on the other side of the glass. And here we go on a Monday, two hours, nonstop sports talk coming your way. And today uh, we'll talk a lot of hoop. CJ Watson is going to join us today. He's the Las Vegas native. CJ, 10-year NBA veteran. Marco D'Angelo in the house. My bookend partner every Monday and Friday. Fridays at the Westgate and, of course, here in studio today. What's going on, my friend? It was great to uh, not only do the show on Friday, but uh, reconvene for a little food on Saturday uh, as well, too. Stalking me. <laughs> no, no, not stalking you. I I, I invited you to... To come uh, and join myself and the guru, Big Owl, we were doing the food tour. And, uh, of course, Marco says, oh, I already got a lunch date. So what's he do? He shows up at the uh, the place we're already at. And you, well, were, you were planning to go the whole time, it sounded like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he set up. His... You, you could have said that to me in the text. Well, no, it wouldn't have been fun to show up uh, then. So yeah. the fun factor was in play then. The fun factor absolutely okay. was in play. Because yeah. the last thing I said to you on Friday as I'm walking out of the Westgate is you said, I may be going. You know, I said, well, you know, let me know. And let me know in the morning because I do make plans. Mm, let me yeah. know early yeah. so that I can put you on my you know busy docket. Okay. <laughs> and what time did you text me um well, i believe wait let's go okay. to, let's go to the replay oh, yeah. i was gonna say when i was like five minutes away from the place no you actually uh yeah i, I want to read it word for word but you yeah. actually said hey me and l just pulled in to, to oh okay the, the staff so you were pulling into the lot no that was the last text, not the first text that's not the first text uh, see the last text said we're pulling in now uh let's see here whatever going to should i say the place yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. going to windy city can you come by? Courtesy of Big L. That text was at 12.04. Yeah. At 12.06. Pulling up now. <laughs> okay. So basically. Two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Two minute warning. You got a two yeah. minute warning. I had two more. Okay. And my text to you was, darn, sorry, I already made a lunch date. Lori and I's meeting a buddy at 12.30. Yeah. Okay. And at 12.30 on the dot, walk through Windy City over there. And you go, huh? What? No, said, that wasn't how it went down. It was like, would you say? They'll let anybody in here or some, some smart-ass oh, comment oh, yeah, like I, that. I yeah. said to the, the lovely owner, I said, you let anybody in this space, don't you? <laughs> and you were too busy yapping with Al. You didn't even yapping. see me. I was down at dog number one yeah. before dog number two I, uh, you know, came about there. I had to literally walk up to the table before you noticed that I, I Th- came in. That's true. Well, yeah. 
man, I was I was deep in in uh, in poppy seed bun and you know seven inch Vienna. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'll leave that alone. <laughs> Mustard or grilled onions yeah. with the fresh cut fries. Yeah, yeah. with a, a beautiful Pepsi to wash it down with. Come on, man. That's, you're all that's set. I don't even know why you're making an issue of it. Just you know, again, it was kind of a last minute thing, and you know, we were talking. Hey, let's you know, let's invite Marco. Oh yeah, let's do it. We did talk about that yesterday. Boom, boom, boom. See, I could have just put it away. How bad would that be if I didn't even you know do that? And then I'm there. Well, you've you've done that before. I showed you (laughs) that I was at least thinking about you. As you pulled into the parking lot. Oh, no. Seriously, we're a couple lights away. Two minutes. Okay, You you gave me two-minute notice that you were there. So you live on the other side. I wasn't driving, by the way. I was not driving. So you had plenty of time to text. Yeah, I was in the passenger seat. Where you live to where this place is, I'm guessing for you is Mm. 25-minute Drive? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. About 25 minutes? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Maybe 21 no, on a Sunday or a Saturday. Yeah. Nowhere in that 23 of the 25 minutes because you gave me the two-minute warning. What are you complaining about? You were going anyway. Well, yeah, because I take care of myself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I You make me want to rescind the, uh, the the invitation or the offer. Well, Jeez, yeah. man. What can I say? You know, I tell you, when I'm doing something, I give you a uh, advance notice yeah. to give the invite, and I made plans. And then your third text was, well, change your plans when I told you already had plans. I'm like, sorry, I can't. Because you had the surprise factor going for you. I love surprises. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah. There you go. Does anyone ever surprise you? Yeah, Sometimes. Ma- yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Maui surprises you. Maui at the Westgate surprises you every yeah. every Friday with a gift. Yeah. Lori is about to tell me that I, I need to stop bringing stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah. See how that is? The man cave's getting filled up. See how that is? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're hitting uh, plenty of college basketball uh, today. Uh, UNLV defeats Colorado State on Saturday night. They overcame a 10-point deficit, but they got the job done. And that was a game that we talked about on Friday of who should be the favorite. And when Jay Cornergay was asking me, who who do you think? I mean, I had to pause because I kind of viewed the game as a pick em. It's like, well, who do I make the favorite here? I mean, I want should make Colorado State the favorite. But, yeah, UNLV's at home, been playing pretty well. Yeah. And uh, as we know, Colorado State opened a point-and-a-half favorite, closed UNLV one-and-a-half. And mm. that's the way it played out. It was a close game all the way throughout, uh, numerous lead changes. And UNLV found themselves down by 10 points, but uh, they came back. They got the victory. 66-60 was the final, and that final score is not even indicative of how close the game was. But it was, you know, one three-point game back and forth either way, both ways. And uh, D. Don Thomas, the fine freshman point guard for UNLV, uh, carried the load for the Rebs, 23 points. And uh, look at UNLV. They've now won seven out of their last eight. They've got some momentum, you know, going into the Mountain West Conference tournament. They're on the road as we speak right now, getting ready to play Wyoming tomorrow night. So it's another game that they should, you know, get underneath their belt. But you never know about the road in the Mountain West Conference. But uh, UNLV playing some good ball, and uh, UNLV wins and covers. Yeah, well, going back to Friday, I when we talked about that game, I myself said I would make UNLV, you know, favorite. I said two, two and a half in. Uh, but I'll give UNLV credit because this is the complete opposite of the way their games have been going this year. Generally, they've had the lead and then coughing them up where 
coming from behind in this one. I got to give them credit. And my only concern when we talked about that game on Friday was, uh, yes, this is a game that they should win. They were, you know, right there in the standings together with Colorado State. But UNLV was coming off of a big game the game before. And I know you say, how can you say Air Force was a big game? It was a big game for, I think, Kevin Kruger. It was a big game for that team. They needed to show up and make a statement after the embarrassment that they had the first meeting with Air Force. And too often we've seen has been the MO with this team, this particular team a couple times, but in years past, that's what we've always seen with UNLV. After they make that statement game, they generally have come back and had a game where they kind of, you know, put in a flat effort or whatever. They did come out slow, as you said. They had to come from behind, but they got the job done, and that's the kind of win that could carry them as we roll into the Mountain West Conference tournament with some momentum. Yeah, and the thing was, it's uh, it was doubly important for not only for the revenge factor against Air Force, who beat UNLV by 30 points four weeks prior at the Thomas and Mack Center, but beat him down. I mean, the 30-point loss, and that was the only victory Air Force has had in the Mountain West Conference. And then, of course, the embarrassing loss that UNLV had going against uh, Nevada. That was just downright uh, terrible. We're basically, they led wire to wire, and then Reno came back uh, to win the game. So UNLV needed that, uh, needed that victory. So they got it. They were expected to have it. They are a road favorite. And uh, Air Force has been downright awful all season long, except for that lone victory, surprising victory against UNLV. But you need the Rebels to be consistent and, uh, for the most part, throw out that game. And we had talked about this before when UNLV had a couple of those narrow losses earlier in the season. I mean, they could have a serious win streak right now. Right now, they've won seven out of their last eight games, and it should be eight in a row, and could even be larger than that with the other couple of games that they gave away. But um, you know, let's you got to beat the teams in front of you. They're putting themselves in, in a pretty decent uh, position for the Mountain West Conference tournament. You want to get one of those, you know, top top four seeds to stay, you know, so you don't have to play on that opening day. So we'll see what happens with UNLV if they can round it out. But uh, only a few more games left on the Mountain West Conference to schedule before they get to host here uh, at the Thomas and Mack Center. Yeah, and you think about if you take away that Air Force loss, and who was the team they played the first game of the season? They lost at home, TC. Uh that was their two bad losses on their schedule. If you take those two losses away, this is a team that could be really – looking at an at large bid because mm-hmm. they have they do have that quality win. I mean they beat Creighton earlier in the year. Nobody gave them that and they played St. Mary's tough. You know, so for the couple really good games they had, if you could just take away those two bad losses, the opening night loss at home early and granted it's the first game of the season. Doesn't matter. You lose to Southern, you lose to Air Force, yeah. you're not getting in the tournament. You're not. You're, unless you win the tournament. Now if you make a case that they they go to the final and you're sitting, you know, with a record of, you know, twenty two and twelve or something like that, then okay, I think you're you're in the conversation, especially if you show up, you know, big. But we've seen this time and time again when you get to the to the tournament final. The the committee is pretty much, especially when you get into the the Saturday evening sessions and the Sunday sessions, they've kind of got their mind made up. That's a three o'clock start Pacific time at the Thomas and Mack Center. But they've got some work to do because as we know Right now, they're on the outside looking in. They're sitting in, what, fifth, sixth, sixth place right now. 
And when we talked to Pete Gillen last week and, you know, Jay Cornegay on Friday, you know, they're thinking, okay, yeah, you know, four, maybe five teams. But like we talked about, I mean, <laughs> I'm setting the over under at, at one, one and a half as far as victories in the NCAA tournament coming from Mountain West teams. And I think you and I are both thinking, well, it's probably San Diego State, but they're no bargain to get a victory either. Even though they went to the final last year, you just, I just don't have any faith in any Mountain West Conference team because none of them will be getting high seeds that will be, you know, uh, beneficial to them. I agree with you. I know San Diego State's the name, and I know you're not as high on the team I'm about to say is I am. I like, I like them Utah better. State. I like Utah yeah. State. I, I've I, had Utah State against San Diego State in those games, even yeah. going back last year. I, yeah. I'm with you. You know what scared me off of Utah State earlier on this year? Because of the coaching change and a brand new team. Nobody was coming back. I think we talked about that when it happened. But, hey, give them credit, man. They they are playing well. But do I think they're you know still upper echelon team? No. Can they give certain teams Problems, but I think Utah State needs to finish the season strong, and they've always been a good closing team. But this year, like I said, they caught a lot of people by surprise, you know, playing as well as they have. But uh, no, you're right. I mean, they're they're a fun team to watch too, and they're fundamentally sound. Yeah, they they play good defense, and they're they're almost like a, a mirror image of the old San Diego State teams, you know, where you're you playing a race to sixty and play some good defense. But we'll see what happens with them. Um, as you said, they are a brand new team this year, and that's what we're going to see. You know, <laughs> the era of the transfer portal, but the experience that the program got last year um, is going to bode well for them, I think, moving forward. All right, let's talk a little college basketball over the weekend. As we know, Saturday's just a huge college basketball day. It seems like every Monday we say, oh, here are the upsets. Well, we had more upsets again this weekend. Another you know, number one team falls, uh, Creighton. As we talked about that, that was you know basically uh, during the week. Uh, and now Houston has taken over uh, the number one spot with the latest rankings. It just came out a couple hours ago. But uh, probably the biggest story of the weekend was the Wake Forest-Duke game. And when you looked at this game, uh, Wake Forest was a slight favorite. They were a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game over Duke. And I think that surprised some people because Duke is some pl- playing some very good uh, basketball. Duke had led this game a majority of the way, but Wake Forest put together a nice run at the end. And Wake Forest is a rock-solid team, but really Duke killed themselves at the end of this game as they had four turnovers uh, in their last five possessions of this game. And Wake ends up winning the game 83-79, but that's not where the story is. 1.8 to go, Duke down by four. On the inbounds, it's picked, and the party is on in Winston-Salem. is being helped off by members of the Duke staff and you saw the immediate bear hug surrounding him as this court storming is in full effect with Filipowski hobbled. Wow! Alright, the court storming uh, happens there in, uh, in, in Wake Forest after the 83-79 uh, final. Wake fans came hard and came fast running onto the court. 
Duke center John Filipowski gets hurt. He gets bumped by numerous people, uh, injures his ankle. Uh, John Shire, not happy about this. The Duke head coach who was t- taken over for Mike Krzyzewski, uh, unfortunate loss for Duke. And John Shire will give Wake Forest all the credit in the world, but not happy at all about what happened after the game. I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. Because Wake played a big-time game. Salas was as good as could be today, and and hats off to them. But you look around the country, and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like when I played, at least it was 10 seconds in the court. You know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off, and they're they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. Um, It's part of it. I don't want this to take away at all from Wake. They earned it. They deserve the win. Steve is a hell of a coach. I respect the heck out of him and his team. They're, they're really good. And if this is an example that they need to be in the tournament, what are we even talking about? It's dangerous. And in what other sport does that happen? And I'm telling you, I, I don't even think it was, what, did the buzzer go off and all of a sudden fans are at half court? You know, and I'm with Steve. And uh, all I, I turn and I see Flip is just surrounded by students. And he's limping off. We're carrying him off the court. What, what sense does that make? All right, that is John Shire talking about being next to Steve. That's Steve Forbes, the head coach of Wake Forest. They went through the hand uh, shake line before, Duke, and you know Duke started walking over. Uh, you know John Shire to Wake Forest head coach Steve Forbes, and he's right. I mean, before the the buzzer even sounded, it was just a storming on the court. Uh, players are, are 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 still on the court. Philip Powski just. Got done passing a basketball for a, a last second uh, shot there uh, for Duke, and uh, he gets trampled. Um, here we go again. This is a story that we talk about at least a few times a year. Uh, we were just talking about it last week, the week before. Um, he mentioned Caitlin Clark for Iowa when Iowa got upset uh, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, she got bumped. So. This is a story, Marco, and it continues to happen and happen. And hopefully, you know, the powers to be take this seriously for a change. You've got to, um, you know, on a side note before we, you know, we talk about how bad that is. That is something as far as uh, I look at when you have a team win a game like that. That's a good handicapping angle to go against that team in the next game for that. But. We have it in football when it's a big game and at least football is a, a slower moving sport, so to speak. You know, you know, the end's coming, you know, because of the plays and so forth. And Bigger field. Right. Okay. But <laughs> players are in helmets and pads. <laughs> right. And security lines up yeah. around, you know, around the field to, to try to prevent yeah. that. Basketball, you're right on the court. You, you have no way. I don't care what you do. They're not, they're not going to be able to stop that, but it makes me laugh. And I, I know it's Duke and it's the name, but 
usually when you used to be excited and storm the floor, it was because you were a big underdog and you pulled off a major upset. Or you beat the number one or two team. Okay. Usually it was re- okay. reserved Wake for number one. Wake Forest was the favorite in the game. Even yeah. though we, some people might have questioned that, right. they were technically yeah. supposed to win the game. They were the favorite. Arch rival, though. Yeah, but Huge it, it is rival. the big arch rival. And, and they don't beat it, them. And yeah. Duke is the, you know, one of the premier blue bud names in college basketball. There's no question about that. But, you know, I don't know how you, how you protect it. Um, you know, we've done it with football. You know, remember the other problem that used to happen in football, storming the field was bad enough, but they used to tear the goalposts out. Exactly. Okay. And then that, you know, we're talking about, you know, big metal, you know, thing. Mm -hmm. And so we've gotten that stopped with where they actually grease, you know, some stadiums will grease the, the goalpost so you can't get on it and get any traction with it. But what are you going to do? How many people would it take to hold back a crowd that's flowing, flowing over uh, on the court where they're literally five feet away from the court? So let me tell you, um, it, to answer your question, um, I'll tell you how it can be done. And all you have to do is look at other professional sports. All right. You look like at the NBA. You never see it in the NBA. We're talking about the same length, the same basketball court. You know why you don't see it in the NBA? Because you have police officers. You don't have security guards at the local arena who are doing, you know, a circus or a concert one night. And then you're asking them to protect, you know, these, you know, highly coveted, you know, basketball players and coaches, right? No, it can be done, but it would cost money and you would have to, um, have police officers there going around the court. And if you go to any NBA game, that's exactly what you see. You have, you have that in place and nobody is coming on the court. Okay. So it can be done, but the staffing they don't have. And I think for people to say, well, it's not going to happen. I even heard Jay Billis say this on Saturday. He said, well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's never going to happen. Well, it should happen as he's saying it should, but it won't or whatever. But if you put these, if it's that important, then you just make sure that you don't allow anyone on the court and you make your announcements and you do whatever you have to do. And again, believe it or not for a, a home Team, if you make the announcements over and over and say, you know, don't do this, and you've got, you know, 40, 50 police officers, not security guards, that will deter people. Okay. And, you know, people are taken down and they're rammed to the ground and they're handcuffed and this and that. You know, might not get everybody, but it'll send a message like, okay, you know, it's not going to happen anymore. And like I said, you see it less and less, even in football. You know, these days, and they take some precautionary measures, like you said, with that. But, uh, I think that's, that's how it's done. And it, it is pretty ridiculous, you know, really when you think about it for people to, to think that this is okay, that it's like, well, it's part of sports. We, we like it. Well, you know what they like about it? You know what, what the universities like about it? They like the snapshot because they use it for, rec- for recruiting. They use it for posters. Like, Hey, here's the overhead shot of everyone just coming down on the court. And that would be great if fans could behave themselves, but uh, they don't. This has happened a lot over the last few years. It's happened a lot this year. I mean, just look at some of the games already this year that you had LSU defeat Kentucky. All right, it happened. Nebraska defeated Purdue. um, And then you've got Nebraska defeated Wisconsin this year. Just, you know, we mentioned... Iowa losing uh, with Caitlin Clark 
that happened. But this this goes back. Um, it happened against uh, versus Purdue, and Zach Eady got bumped into the seven foot four center for Purdue. Here were his comments afterwards. Uh, he said, "Students, probably a lot of drunk students, charging the court against another team isn't the safest thing to do, but." I think it's part of the game. I think it's a reason for fans to go to games. I think there's nothing wrong with it as long as you do it safely. But then again, I mean, you're dealing with 18, 19 year olds. It's, you know, it's. That's the key. Yeah. Your reference to comparing it to the NBA. Yes, there's the big difference is you have police versus security guards at the college campus, but you don't have 20 year olds. At the NBA games, okay? You got 20 and 22-year-olds that, especially a Saturday, they're partying all weekend and, you know, they're having a good time. You know, in it's getting ridiculous. You you forgot one because we even talked about it the other day, which I didn't think that was a storm the floor game, but they were that excited. Penn State stormed the floor when they beat Illinois. Right. Okay? Yeah. Th- what was that? Okay. Yeah. Illinois is a top 20 because it was a, it was a three at the buzzer. Yeah. Or the four point play at the buzzer. It it is part of the college atmosphere. Um, like you said, do it safely, do it, you know, smartly. Um, it is cool. Um, I've been, and I can't even remember what game it was. Um, it might have been UNLV against San Diego State back in the day. Um, when I had season tickets there probably five, six years ago where they won a game in, they did store, you know, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I'd like to be down. Now I don't. I right. don't, yeah, I don't want to right. be down on the floor now. Right. I'll stay up here as the old man in the stands. But here's the thing. I mean, some of them, or maybe you can say most of them are harmless. There's no injuries, but there still is that threat. And especially nowadays with NIL and the money that's involved. And now you're talking about the Duke Center. We don't know how serious this is. But again, he got injured because of this. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is this. No fans belong on the floor. All right? They don't get tickets to go on the floor. Okay? You're, you're going around a, a rope or barriers or whatever. They're not allowed on the floor. Just like players are not allowed in the stands. Plain and simple. They know they're not they're allowed on the floor, but because this thing is allowed. But obviously, it's it's coming to a head because now you have conferences that are now fining these schools for this happening. And this is interesting that of the what, uh, 30, what, two conferences, what, 29 of them have policies against this. Uh, the SEC fine is a hundred thousand dollars for a university that, um, is team storms the court. Well, again, well, some of these like, Hey, we'll pay the fine because we like the picture, right? Second offense is 250,000. Third offense is, is a half a million dollars. So that's what the SEC fine is. All right. This happened in the ACC. Do you know what the ACC fine is? I do. Take a take a wild guess. Wild guess. Thousand dollars. <laughs> um, how many? Let's see, because I know what you had for lunch on Saturday. Uh, how many hamburgers did you eat on Saturday? <laughs> uh, I didn't have a hamburger. Zero, right? Yeah, yeah, zero, zero. Right. There's no fine in the ACC. Zero. So how do you go from one of the most prestigious conferences where there's no fines, but every other conference, well, 29 of the 32, and the three that don't have it, they're the really smaller, minor conferences, you know? So, you you know, I'm not saying that the fine's going to deter students, because the students don't care, right? No. You know. But, but, but again, it you don't want to say it's part of the culture, but, you know, 
when you have the matchups, ACC, when you think ACC and you said they don't have it, how many times the biggest game of the year, doesn't matter what their records are, it's Duke and North Carolina. Yeah. ESPN's always going to have it is a Saturday night game televised on the schedule. And it's part of treasure. And who doesn't want to see a Duke North Carolina game go down to the buzzer and the home team win and, and see that college atmosphere, everybody coming out. If it's done in the right yeah, that's way, that's it. it okay? But it's an experience. But the thing about it is all it takes one or two goofballs or whatever. But again, if, if the players are off the floor, Whole different ball game, but again, it's you know, yeah. Listen to what we're saying here, though. This is pretty pathetic. We think, hey, it looks cool. The the game is cool. The victory is cool. All right, that's not cool if there is even one percentage point that someone could get hurt. And now you're thinking like, oh my god, you know that 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 guy's hurt. It's like he's he's out for the rest of the year. It's like man, that's it's it's brutal. So it doesn't need to happen. You and I both have been to a time. You've been to more sporting events because, you know, with the media. But we all have sporting events that you remember moments. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of my memories that I'll never forget was the final football game at Pitt Stadium before they moved in to play with, you know, the Steelers the last year mm-hmm. uh, before they opened Heinz Field. That game, the final home game, was against Notre Dame. Okay, now Pittsburgh's, you know, rich, you know, Catholic uh, crowd and everything. Mm. The image I took from that game when Pitt won it was the field got stormed. Nobody got hurt. They tore down the goalpost and seeing the goalpost go out the stadium, (laughs) down the hill. If you've ever been in Pittsburgh, Pitt Stadium's up on the hill. And the student body carrying the goal. That is a moment that a sports moment that I was in. I'll never forget that moment. Nobody got hurt, you know, but those are things. They're, you know, it's part of the, the college atmosphere. It's part of the college atmosphere, but doesn't mean that it's right. You know what I'm saying? There are a lot of things that are part of the college atmosphere. You just stated yourself, oh, yeah, I got 20 year olds that are drunk. Really? They're not, they're not supposed to be drinking, you know, and you're going to games and this is a day game. It's just, there are a lot of things that happen on a college campus that are part of the college atmosphere. Hazing, as we know, this doesn't mean it's right that it's cool or whatever. So I just think we're at a point now where, again, the bottom line is no fans are supposed to have access to the court. So it's just tiresome for me to hear people like give them a pass. Oh, it's okay because that, 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 it's okay because it's part of the atmosphere. Part of the atmosphere is going crazy after a three point play or, or, you know, the, the fans, you know, when the team comes on the floor, the starting lineups and all that stuff where you're, where you're going crazy, yelling, screaming, you know, the jump around that you have at Wisconsin for football games. That's what you remember. That's part of the atmosphere because everyone is staying in their seats and it's fun. So anyway, uh, this, the story will continue to have legs and there will probably be another court storming here uh, the next week or two, but it'll be interesting to see what has happened if security gets beefed up. Uh, police officers are now hired at some of these campuses, and and again, not every, you never know when it's going to happen. But it's like, like you said, okay, this is a this is an upset. We weren't supposed to win, even though the, the Wake Forest one wasn't. But yeah, I just think it's rampant right now, Marco, where you can't even predict, yeah. can't predict where it's going to happen, in which game it's going to happen, because 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think about. Oh, this could be a court storming game. You know, Wake Forest against Duke. This is nothing derogatory to security guards. How much do you think campus security guards are making an hour? Oh yeah. Or and you you, and you see them coming out of the stands for that hourly rate. You're 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 gonna you're gonna shut them off. Really? Well, they are are getting paid for more than just standing there and doing nothing. That's what what they get paid for in in case of emergencies and escort people out and stop people from from doing things before it it gets done. All right. We come back. uh, We'll talk a little bit more about this with our next guest, uh, CJ Watson, 10-year NBA veteran. We'll talk some NBA hoops, college, and a whole lot more on this magnificent Monday. Now. Back to more of Las Vegas' favorite sports madman, the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, back at you here on this Monday afternoon. Don't forget, come and join us live at the Westgate Las Vegas, our Friday home between 2 and 4 p.m. inside the world-famous Superbook. Come on by. See the show live. And, yes, handicapping the college basketball weekend. And don't forget March Madness right around the corner. Get to the International Theater where you can watch all of the action on March 21st, 22nd, and 23rd at the Westgate Las Vegas. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and uh, or at the Westgate uh, Las Vegas. Looking forward to that. What a scene, of course, uh, the first uh, couple rounds there for the NCAA tournament. All right, join us now. Uh, talk a little NBA, college basketball, and a whole lot more. Our good friend who is uh, a native Las Vegan, went to Bishop Gorman High School, on to Tennessee, played 10 years in the NBA with the Golden State Warriors, the Chicago Bulls, the Pacers, the Nets, and the Magic, and a uh, fine point guard back in the day, and still here in Las Vegas, doing a lot of great things for our community. C.J. Watson joins us now. C.J., what's going on, my man? Doing good. How are you doing? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. So tell us, uh, tell us what's happening with you, man. I know you're still in, in Vegas quite a bit. You're doing a little bit of traveling, but uh, uh, what's happening? I'm uh, just doing stuff here for the community. You know, being a dad, um, I got three kids. One of my kids is a, a volleyball player, so you know, just traveling with her, watching her, you know, take on the journey as well. All right, man. So now you're not going off on, on any coaches or officials or, or announcers or anything, right, CJ? No, no, I don't do that. I just, I just, I'm just there for moral support. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, man. So, how closely have you been following the NBA right now? Uh, I follow it pretty much. You know, when my TV's not on cartoons, but I mostly try to watch a couple games here and there. All right. Any specific team, like of one of your old teams, that you follow a little bit closer than the others, or what? Uh, I mean, I still like the Warriors a lot. I watch the Bulls a lot. Um, uh, but you know, my favorite team is still probably the Lakers watching them and watching what LeBron does and all his greatness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Warriors, one of your former teams. Uh, we know they lost to uh, the Nuggets last night, uh, but before that, the Warriors are playing some great basketball. They've won eight out of their last nine games before that loss uh, to the Nuggets. Give me your thoughts on, on Golden State and, you know, putting this run together here before the playoffs start. Uh, it's a big part for them. Uh, I definitely just uh, telling them how the young guys are developing, especially Kaminga and Podinsky. I'm not sure if I said his name right, but 
but he's playing great right now. And I think, uh, you know, if they can get Clay and uh, to, to get going, coming off the bench, you know, and, and that different kind of mindset, and then Chris Ball back, then maybe they can make some noise. But I don't really expect them to go too far, but, you know, definitely in the playoffs for sure. I know it's you know like we say with football, it's really hard to go against Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of hard to go against Stephen Clay and, and Draymond too. Still, isn't it right? Yeah, definitely for sure. Those guys, you know, they've been there, they've done that, they won championships, and they know what it takes. Especially you know at the end of the season and where they got to go to you know to to be to be great. And so hopefully then you know they can turn that switch on again. All right. So you played with that franchise. You played for Don Nelson, and it was like you know basically before this you know, so-called dynasty started, but still those Warriors, you know, had some great teams, the We Believe teams. You were there, I believe, with Baron Davis. And now you get a chance to see Steph's, Steph Curry play. And here's a guard that's, you know, about your size. I mean, you're, you're a little bit bigger, but, you know, uh, a small guard that has turned into one of the greatest players, really, of all time. Give me your thoughts when you see Steph Curry and what he's done, not only for the Warriors, but what he's done for the league and, and basketball in general. Uh, you know, it's great, uh, especially from being his teammate his rookie year. Um, people always ask me, you know, uh, did you ever see that Steph would be this, this superstar? But I would say no, but I also say, you know, you saw the uh, the times that he would be in there before practice, after practice, putting in work, and you saw the work ethics. I knew he was going to be great and have a long career, but I didn't think he would change the game the way he has uh, for the better because now you see, you know, all these kids are shooting uh, half quarters and 35-footers because of Steph changed the game, and, and uh, he's done it in a, in a good way, I think. So, CJ, let, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the 20-year-old Steph Curry just coming out of Davidson. It looked like he was about 125 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> but we knew, and this is what I, I always love about Steph and, and, and Kobe and so many other players that are second generation players. You know, when their fathers play in the league or, you know, they play overseas, you know, as a, as a young kid of these second generation players, you know, they, they're around it. They seem to be more mature. What was Steph like, uh, you know, coming out of Davidson and joining the Warriors? Uh, he was just like he had, you know, a mature kid. He was still young and, and kind of scrawny. But uh, now, like especially, especially over time, you see he's uh, strengthened his body and hit the weight room tough and hard. And that's why he can, you know, can't really knock him off the spot on defense. He's better defensively now than he probably ever was. So I definitely think that uh, has a has a, a gift to it. And then also, like I said, being a second generation player, seeing his dad be an NBA player and then grow up, you know, around around the around the game, and his dad be able to to teach him all the the things that he probably didn't know when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And like we said, you know, that was kind of like uh, just the beginning where the Warriors are really starting to to, to ramp it up uh, a little bit about that. And, and and how much do you talk to people about that? I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I I, w- I was I, I was there. You know, we didn't get any rings or whatever, but you know, you could probably could you see at that point in time of what this team was going to turn into years later. Oh, yeah, definitely for sure. You already knew the fan base was there because all of our home games are pretty much sold out. We had great crowds. They just, we just had to get something to, to cheer for. Uh, we won some games, but not as much as they're winning now. But I definitely think he was definitely you know, there. And we just had to also get the players too. C.J. Watson uh, joins us, 10-year NBA veteran guard. Uh, C.J., we just came off you know, the All-Star weekend. 
Uh, we know that a lot of former players not crazy about the current rendition, the game itself. Players, you know, not really, you know, playing hard. Adam Silver's trying to find some ways to to try to tweak this thing and, and make it interesting or whatever. Uh, obviously, like for me, I talked about it last week that I just I love the idea of of Stefan Sabrina. I thought that was really the entire you know highlight. But it kind of you know as a former player. Give me your thoughts on on where you've seen the All Star Game and the weekend go, uh, where it was to where it is right now, and how do you feel about it? Uh, it's definitely changed. I think the All Star Game is probably the the biggest part. You know, just no defense, just a glorified uh, pickup game, I guess you can say. Uh, but I definitely think the Sabrina and Steph thing that they can build off that. Maybe have two or three teams or two or three battles against you know uh, men and women, which I think everyone will watch. Uh, but I think for the game, I'm not really sure how to even make it more competitive or more entertaining than, you know, uh, than already is. So, CJ, should we get you out to an Aces game? You want me to, like, uh, arrange a, a three-point <laughs> shootout with you and, uh, and Kelsey Plum? Or, or what, you, want, you down for that, man, or what? I'm definitely down for it. I, I'm, I'm sure she would probably beat me now because I don't even touch a basketball anymore. <laughs> so you probably have a volleyball in your hand more than you do a basketball, right? Working with your daughter and stuff, right? Oh, yeah, definitely for sure. We're de- I'm definitely watching more volleyball, you know, uh, helping her. But, uh, yeah, just uh, volleyball is a, is a new sport in my family. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. You, we've been talking a lot today about the uh, court storming that we see in college basketball. Uh, we know that you played at Tennessee. Were you ever part of of any of that going on during your career there at Tennessee or, or anywhere for that matter, either as a winning team or a losing team? Uh, definitely for the winning team. Uh, my first couple of years to be Florida when they were, I think, top five or something like that. So they definitely rushed the court. Um, I don't remember it being, you know, as, as bad as it maybe is now uh, with the players, uh, you know, getting hurt and all that kind of stuff. I think, uh, you know, but they, I think something definitely has to change. I'm not sure how it's going to change, but definitely got to first and foremost protect the players and the student athletes. Mm. I mean, just, you know, being on the court like that and I go, every situation is different. Not every, uh, court storming thing turns into injuries, but I mean, you could see where there is this fear of, uh, of, of players getting injured, and especially now with today with NIL and contracts and, and so much money, you know, you know, being invested here. It's, uh, it's a topic of conversation. And, you know, up until these last few years, it just seems like everyone was talking about, Hey, man, I mean, it, that, that's, a, that's a cool thing to do. But if you go back, I mean, you go back to 2003, there, there was, there were, there were injuries. There were players that were, uh, were punched or were assaulted by fans. I remember you know, a Syracuse pit game where a pit player, uh, was hit in the face. And then, you know, Mike Shashevsky going back, you know, four or five, six years ago, you know, he was very vocal uh, about this. So it seems to be more of a concern now than it was, like, say, back when you played or even before you played. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I think social media probably has a lot to do with that, too. You know, everyone will be able to see it and blow it up and stuff like that. But I definitely think a plan has to be had. Um, I, I I just believe, you know, players shouldn't go on the stands and, you know, fans shouldn't go on the court. So I definitely think the college area, you got to find, gotta find a, a fine line. Because in college, that's what that's the difference between college and professional. You know, that's used to that's used to be had. And that's especially fun for the fans to be able to beat, the you know, a ranked team or something like that and then uh, be able to celebrate after. All right, you mentioned uh, your time at Tennessee. Let's talk about those Vols right now, man. Have you been watching them? I mean, they're number number four in the country right now, twenty one yeah. and six. And I know there's there's talk 
you know, around yeah. Knoxville and stuff that, okay, this uh, this could be a Final Four team, man. I'm curious. What, what are you thinking about your alma mater? I think this year is the year, man. We got Dalton Connect. We had somebody. That's our, our our major pickup was uh, our struggle last year was, you know, not being able to score. And, uh, but we're always good defensively, so I definitely think this is the year I'm going to go out you know, and say we're going to win the, uh, the title this year. Dang. All right. So how, <laughs> how often you get back there, man? You get back there for alumni stuff? Uh, yeah, I go back there from time to time. Yeah, actually going to, I think, the Auburn game pretty soon. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's go back to your time. You're in Vegas, Vegas native. You go to Bishop Gorman, and you choose Tennessee. Talk about why Tennessee at that point in time, and what were some of your other options? Uh, my dream school was to go to UCLA. I actually took an unofficial visit there, and I uh, was going to go, you know, and commit there. But um, the coach got fired, so I just opened back up my recruiting. So Tennessee was uh, one of the final schools, Oregon, and uh, you know, I just chose one, that's uh, Tennessee because my family's from there, number one. And if I ever needed anything, my family was close, and uh, and also I was going to play from day one, so that was a, a big thing. And it was in the SEC, so I knew it was one of the best conferences, and I uh, had to bring my A game every every game. All right, so that means you know every word of Rocky Top then, right? I unfortunately do. I just don't like the song that much. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. There's a Vegas kid, and he's going uh, going to Knoxville. And Tennessee, but great tradition. But as you know, I mean, yeah. ten, even when you were playing there, it was they had some good basketball teams. I mean, hey, you go way back in the day, of course. You know, you know, if you're old enough, you remember Bernard King and Ernie Grunfeld and those guys. And it seems like you know they always they always hang on uh, to that. But it's been a football school, you know, forever and ever. Of course, you got Peyton Manning, but uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about Tennessee as a basketball school and, and where do where do they fit in in the relationship to football? Uh, you know, they're definitely like you said, they're second to uh, men's football, and then also you got to say women's basketball also because yes, yep. you know came in won uh, championships there. She's a legend there, a god. So uh, definitely, maybe you know, second or third on the totem pole. But I think, like I said, since Rick Barnes has been there, he's been getting that team back to contention. And like I said, I think this year is going to be the year that they kind of break the hump and maybe get past the Elite Eight and hopefully, you know, either further on down. All right, March Madness, man, right around the corner. Tennessee is is definitely live. They could be a number one seed. Worst case scenario, a number two seed. Uh, what about March Madness moments for you, man? Huh? You, you got you got a couple you want to share with us? Uh, I only got one. I only went to the tournament one time. We were a two seed, and we got upset at Tennessee my senior year. So uh, definitely uh, – I think going to the tournament is definitely fun, and it's like like a once in a lifetime chance. And I wish I actually would have got to got to go more, but you know, the teams where we I was on just wasn't that good. <laughs> right, C.J. Watson, Las Vegas native, he has got a great foundation here in town too, uh, Quiet Storm Foundation. And uh, talk a little bit about how that got started. I know we've we've had you on before. We we've mentioned that, but to just kind of for our listeners that are are new to it, uh, talk about. You know when and how this got started, and why is it so so personal to you? Uh, we started in 2009. Me and my parents, and uh, my parents have always had a giving heart. We would always go to um, the, the homeless shelters and to the nursing homes, and they would make me and my brother go with them and uh, just go out and, and make people's day better, um, feed feed food to the homeless, and uh, we just wanted to, to continue that and then grow. Growing up here in Vegas in the inner city, just seeing the lack of resources that I had, and uh, you know, I wanted to always try to make those different for kids that grew up in the same neighborhood and that look like me. So that's what we're doing. Uh, we do a, a few free programs every year, uh, free basketball camp. Uh, we have an essay contest coming up uh, this this end of this month. And uh, we're just trying to 
uh, just create resources for these kids and give them joy and give them hope that they can be successful. And it doesn't have to be through athletics. It can be through so many more avenues. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that essay. It's a black history essay. And basically, you're asking students at various age levels, right, uh, to to the importance of cultural diversity in the world to, to write that. And I think that is so cool that obviously a, a great topic, but uh, is the, is the essay contest something new or is this something you've been doing every year? This is something we've been doing every year. This is our 15th year, I think. Mm-hmm. And I usually, when I played in the NBA, we would fly them and their parents down to whatever city I played in free flight, free hotel, uh, free limo ride actually. And, uh, just honoring them in the, in the halftime at the game, you know, let them come and meet the players and coaches and, uh, before I played in the NBA game, I'd never been to an NBA game, so it was big for me to give these kids uh, the same opportunity. Um, and like I said, just to be out, get out of Las Vegas, and just see something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, winner gets a trip to DC this year, right? Going to going to Washington DC. Yeah, pretty yep. pretty cool uh, with that. And talk a little bit about how people can can find out more about this. Is this just tied into certain schools or? Uh, give give yeah, our listeners yeah, a little is, detail about that. Yeah, this is tied into certain schools that I attended here in, in Las Vegas Valley and, and some in the inner city. Um, and um, yep, and, uh, and then you can go to quietstormfoundation.org to, to look at the, the essay contest and also uh, see what, which schools are actually on it. Mm-hmm. Excellent stuff. Go to quietstormfoundation.org for uh, everything. He's been doing it for a long time here in Las Vegas, giving back to the community. And again, he he's here and uh, he's he's made his home here, basically, uh, you know, from the beginning. So I think that is a uh, that is very very cool, my friend. Great stuff. Hey man, we'll we'll let you go. We'll let you get back to being dad and coach and everything else, man. Mentor. And uh, I want to get you down um, when we're down at the Westgate on a Friday afternoon when you're in town, so we can. Uh, uh, chop it up, especially with March Madness and uh, and then with the NBA playoffs coming up as well. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Let me know. You got it, brother. Take care, CJ. All right. Thank you, too. There it is. CJ Watson, 10-year NBA veteran. Uh, played Warriors, Bulls, Pacers, Nets, Magic. Uh, went to the playoffs. Uh, had some great games. And, uh, yeah, one of those guys that uh, grew up here in Vegas that can you know, people look at. And there's not too many, like, Las Vegas natives that uh, that played in the NBA, and, and he's one of them. Yeah, it's interesting. And, of course, you know, Bishop Gorman, one of the known more for their football in Vegas than their basketball, but first-rate, you know, facilities across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here's a kid that, you know, grew up in the inner city and ended up, uh, you know, going to, to, to Bishop Gorman. And, uh, you know, I should have asked him, hey, man, how come you end up at Notre Dame? I mean, <laughs> right? You know, represent the Catholics, right? UCLA. Now, Earl Watson went to UCLA, okay? Um, I don't know, no, no relation, I believe, to, to CJ, but yeah, he went to Tennessee and, you know, they had some pretty good teams when he was there. And the one year he mentioned that they went to the NCAA tournament, uh, they were a top 10 team at that time. But you know how we've been talking about teams like Purdue and some of these others? Tennessee has that label too. And I remember that the year that, uh, that they got bounced in the first round is like, Oh, this wasn't supposed to happen. But, and we've seen that happen in years later, you know, not only with Tennessee, but with Rick Barnes's teams when he was at Texas as well, too. And so, I mean, that's kind of one of the knocks that you get with, uh, with Rick Barnes. It is, but again, that's why we like March Madness because, you know, I know we've had a discussion with the national championship in football. You don't want to see any of those teams there, but 
last year was fun when you had oh, Flor- yeah. Florida Atlantic and San Diego State crashing the, the mm-hmm. final four party and then put on an epic show in the mm-hmm. semifinal when the two went head to head. It was pretty cool. Uh, you know, that's what I like to see. I, I know you want the blue bloods, but I like to see that. See, no, you're wrong about that. So you can't compare football to basketball because football, it's, it's just not going to happen because of the talent uh, difference the size difference, and that's why you know a Liberty or somebody like that is is not going to be able to, to to knock off the big boys, especially you know repeatedly in a tournament. But but March Madness, I'm I mean, hey, I coach at small school, so I I'm, I I embody um, you know that uh, I love that. I mean, when we go back to Loyola. I was the biggest Loyola fan, you know, going back when I was a kid. I loved Loyola, and to see the run that they made was great. The George Mason run, you know, was great. Uh, FAU, no one expected that, you know, at all. At least some of those other schools that we mentioned, they've had some history. Like, okay, they've been pretty good. They've won conference titles. FAU came out of nowhere. And then after I started watching FAU, I'm going like, this team could play, man. I mean, they're, they're good. So, you know, it's a lot easier, obviously, for that to happen in basketball than in football or baseball, just because of the, you know, it, it only takes, you know, you get three or four, Really good basketball players to round out, you know, a starting five, and it can happen. Yeah. And the, the Loyola run was probably one of the most memorable, mm. you know, and throw in Sister Jean. Yes. You know, okay. You can't, yeah. you know, I mean, people start rooting for that team just, you know, because of that. Cinderella. Everybody loves the Cinderella Absolutely. story. Absolutely. You know, you go back to Butler as another one of my favorites, you know, yeah. I think everybody loves a Cinderella story, especially, you know, for those teams to go as far. As they've done, they have to do it with a team-oriented game. It's not like one guy that's really carrying you, and that's what's so so cool about those teams. And who will it be this year? We will see. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more college hoop, NBA, and more. Also, we'll take a look at uh, the card tonight. It's not much of a card, and uh, we'll talk about that. Why Mondays we don't we don't see that deep of uh, college basketball cards anymore from a betting perspective. All right, we'll hit that. Take your phone calls and more. On a Monday, T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. But weakness was shown because his hustle was wrong. His mind was his own, but the man lived alone. Ooh, super You're going to make your fortune back. It's It's time. Live, 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 live. Jimmy Garoppolo getting his first action here in the entertainment capital of the world. The world. Touchdown, Las Vegas. The T.C. Martin Show. Airs it out down the middle for Adams. Got it. Inside at the 10. Devontae. Touchdown. What a play on fourth down. It's time to get your daily prescription. Prescription. From the doctor. Two on this Monday as we start another week. One hour down, one to go. CJ Watson, the former NBA player, a 10 year veteran guard, joined us in hour number one. Go check out the website, and that interview will be up a little bit later on at tcmartinshow.com. Talking court storming, college basketball, and more. My handicapper extraordinaire, Marco D'Angelo, in the house here on this Monday as uh, we continue on. We'll take your phone calls this hour, too. 
221-7283. That's 221-7283. Your view regarding court storming, should it be banned or not? All right. We'll uh, do get into that. Plus, like I said, we'll uh, talk some NFL this hour as well, too. The franchise tag deadline. All right. That's uh, a week away, March the 5th. And uh, news coming out today of the first so-called star that was franchise tagged. We'll get into that this hour as uh, as well here on this Monday afternoon. All right. So we had talked uh, in hour number one, Marco, about uh, as we normally do, you know, with, with our with our food ventures and everything. And during the break, as we were sitting here talking, I was looking through the glass here, which is pretty clear today. A lot of Windex over there. Um, you had talked about going to lunch on Saturday. You know, we had the guru, Big Al was in town, and uh, we met. But there was another phone call that was made. Someone did not show up. Yes, I didn't show up. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> is this breaking news? Wait, it's not breaking news, is it? Because no. it's the same old, same old. So I meant to ask you. So what happened? Because when I said, "Hey, we're gonna go to lunch," you don't know, want to take care of you, you know. Even though you you got your your hot dog on was it I Thursday? Did. I did. Yeah. All right. You got that. So thought, okay, chill day. We're all chilling, relaxing. You know, kind of like going to the barber shop. You know, where you go to the barber shop, you hang out, you tell stories. You know, those stories get embellished. You know, over the years, of course. And Numchuck, you know, lives right around the corner. Marco lives right around the corner. Like, yeah. All right, Numchuck. Here was the here was the call, Marco. Hey man, we're uh, we're going over to Windy City. You want to make it? Oh man! Um, you realize you had just woken me up. I right? Was that what that was? That was me, Marco. What time? Dead ass what time was that call? I was going to ask what time did you get invited? Was it before they were? It was right in? before you. Yeah, because he, yeah. he said he was pulling in. Yeah. So, so what? Twelve something? You said? Yeah. Twelve yeah. twenty three or whatever. Just waking up. I'm not allowed to enjoy a day off. Yes, fine. You want okay. you want to enjoy it in bed? Yes. Really? That long? Yes. Okay. I'm just giving you bad time. Man. I know you are. No, no, another invitation, and I'm still trying short. to picture you at the barber shop and enjoying <laughs> stories. They had to be short stories. <laughs> Who's talking over there? <laughs> <laughs> now, listen. You, have, have we seen any uh, pictures of you with heads of hair uh, back in the day? Oh yeah, I've yeah. Had, I had hair back. In I know the day. you say you did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. All right, all right, man. So anyway, anyway, no, I'm sure you you missed a good lunch. That's all I was gonna say. I know I missed a good lunch because yeah. I know exactly where you guys went, and it was probably heavenly. Yeah. And but you could have. I know, saw uh, the dessert. You, you could have re- re- returned the phone call or the text or something and said, you know, oh yeah, I can't make it. By the way, you left it as a all. It was like this. I'll try. I'll do you know what I was doing? You, you should. You should. Do you know said, what happened? Sorry, man, can't do it. You know what happened? I'm going back to bed. Exactly. Yeah, I fell back asleep. That's what you. Exactly. That's what you got. All right. And then, like, it was an hour and a half, two hours later. Yeah. And I'm like, they're gone, and I'm not even going to worry about it. I don't know, we were there for quite some time, so <laughs> you know, I mean, the food just kept coming and coming and coming. So that's okay. Did we Rain finally check? try the deep dish? No, but funny story about the deep dish. All right. So we walked in, there was a guy getting a deep dish, getting a deep dish. And of course the, the guru goes, Hey, check this guy out. Right. He's in. We'll let him tell the story. The food tour continues with big Al. What's going on, man? 
Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you doing? All right, so go ahead. You're, you're fresh back from Curacao after the 28-hour flight, but you still got time to reminisce about food stories. Tell Numchuck the, the, the pizza story. Since he just asked. Well, we walk, in, we walk into Windy City. We walk into Windy City and uh, TCR, you know, instantaneously starts striking up a conversation with the, with the lovely Cecilia. So we get our order in, put in, and we're getting ready to go sit down. And I look, and there's a gentleman sitting in the back, and he's got the deep dish pizza. And I'm going to tell you what, it looked pretty damn good. Yeah. So I, I said, so I call over to T. I said, T. Come here for a second. Go over. You know, you know, you you've been known to yeah. bounce around from table to table when you see something that you like. And uh, you know, what he's asking me to do. Ask he's he's trying to get this, you to get, to get like a slice. Poor gentleman, he likes to eat this pizza. No, no, he's not actually asking me to do that. He wants me to go take a picture. Like, go take a picture of this other guy's pizza, and he's got like you know half of the pizza you know eaten already. So no, I'm not going to take that Look, picture. What, can I can I interrupt for a second? Sure. Thursday night. Thursday night, we were at this barbecue place, and I had my and I had my my daughter Michelle and and her husband Troy out, and we went out for dinner. And this family walking by. It's getting close to closing time. Here comes this family walking by, and T looks at the at the poor guy's plate and says, "Hey, this looks pretty good." So immediately he gets up from our table and dances over there and says, "I got to take a picture of this." It's true. <laughs> Are you crazy? So, it was a no monster. One, no it, it was like no embellishment. No embellishment yeah. either, guys. That, no, he, and Marco, know. I'm sure you've been out. You've been out a hundred times with TC, and you see this happen constantly. Oh, I've, I've seen it firsthand. Ask <laughs> <laughs> Jay Schrader. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing about it was, it was, it was a sandwich. And it was at Big B's, and I and I've seen the sandwich because we've talked about them, promoted this before. It's, it has sausage, brisket, uh, maybe it's a pulled pork. It was this gigantic sandwich. Said, oh, this is definitely you know picture worthy. You know, no doubt. So yeah, guy was that. But anyway, back to the pizza story. So you guys will love this story, all right? Especially Numchuck. You know, maybe you can explain to us what, what this is all about. So this guy's there, and when we were pulling in. They uh, were having a rugby tournament at this at the park across the street, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had women's rugby going, they had men's rugby going, and so we go in there, and they're you know, and Big Al see, sees the guy, and the guy says uh, about the pizza. So yeah, I wasn't gonna take a picture, but immediately the guy says, we, we say, hey, so how how's the pizza? He goes, fantastic, man. He goes, here, you want some? Just like that. Don't even know the guy's name, nothing. I mean, within five seconds, do you want some? No, no, no. No, seriously. Uh, have a piece. Please have a piece. It's like, you know, I'm not going to. Some guy, you know, it's, you know, three pieces are already gone. No, I'm, I'm not having a piece of piece. I appreciate that. But um, anyway, I said, what size is that? And he goes, well, this is the small. And he goes, and I had no idea that it was going to be this size. He goes, so, yeah. He goes, uh, so, but I got a dilemma. And I go, what's your dilemma? He goes, well, he goes, I'm parked like across the street on the other side of the park. And I got a long walk. I had no idea it was going to be this big. So I thought I could just finish the whole thing. So I can't. So now I'm going to have to take this, you know, pizza box and carry it around with me and, and, and walk, you know, whatever a mile. I go, okay, whatever. And, uh, so guru says, Oh, you in the rugby tournament? <laughs> what do you think the guy says? He goes, no, not rugby. What are you doing over there? He goes, I'm in the Pokemon tournament. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and now I go, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those nerds. 
Is, I didn't know there was such a thing. An outdoor event? A, a Pokemon? What is this, Nubchuck? I'm trying to figure out where they even have that at. It, in that park? Oh, it was beautiful there? outside. It was beautiful outside Saturday. Why not have it outside? Yeah. Well, I don't even know what you do with a Pokemon. I mean, Marco? No. <laughs> no. No idea. Don't care. <laughs> I'm sure there's no line on a Pokemon, oh, yeah. but Marco, as you noticed, as you as you as you as you arrived, you noticed that uh, TC and I and the gentleman had just left were the only ones in the place. Yes, or at the time at that at that precise moment, and then you walked in with your lovely wife and your friend, and 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 they sat down and ordered up, and then uh, then the place all of a sudden there here comes. Three people for pickups and two other people sitting in the back. It goes back to an old adage that I I've always lived by. You know how to find the best restaurant, right? Go ahead. Here's the punchline. It's not. It is funny. No, it's not funny. It's true. Yeah, Follow the fat guy. <laughs> so I told Big Al that he should be standing outside with the sandwich board sign. And just like, <laughs> And he, I think he's down yeah, for it. Yeah, eat at Joe's. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> eat at Windy City. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, believe me, I could eat there every day. The food was tremendous. <sighs> I actually I actually had my first beef sandwich there, and it was outstandingly good. There it is. All right. Marco and I just went more conventional. We go with a hot dog, poppy seed bun, fresh cut fries. Have we gotten you to have a pizza puff yet? No, I've not had the pizza puff. Hey. Yeah, he's 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 just been he's just backing off, now, Chuck. He's just you know he's afraid. No you bougie little. Here's the thing, though. Okay, when we you can only eat so much. All right, can get only... a dog and a puff. It's not like it's that much. A dog and a puff. Dog and a puff. I could do that. I could do that. But if it wasn't and, for and, and to be honest with you, to be honest with you, I don't know. I can't speak for any other big city, but Pizza Puff is Chicago. And I've never heard of a Pizza Puff before. I never heard of one. We never had those well, in California. So I didn't take it. Yeah, I, I never knew of So I would never think, hey, uh, give me a Pizza Puff. And I didn't even see the Pizza Puff on the menu. It was on the board. I know. Obviously, it is. Yeah. But I'm saying I would never well, notice you, that. You never heard of an elephant here either. No. No, exactly. Marco, good good point, Marco. Marco, have you ever had a pizza puff? Yeah, I had one from there. I <laughs> took it home for Lori when I was there. What was it? Oh, yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. yeah. Outstanding. That 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 spicy that spicy sauce is so good. But did you hear the pizza ah. puff before we started talking about it? Or did you know about pizza puffs? She was I think that was the day that uh, the Nunchuck's right. you know, aunt was there. And I okay. think she was talking because I, I heard their whole conversation, obviously, that day. That's how I introduced myself. Yeah. Because at the time, it was just me and her. We were the only two people mm-hmm. in the restaurant mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm, I'm down with the pizza puff. Again, but you know, when I go to a place, what they're famous for, I, I, I lock in. I locked into the Chicago dog. And I, I keep saying, okay, I want to. I've been there, what, six times now. I haven't had the deep dish pizza. So. We got to do that. Or the Italian beef. I can't believe you haven't done the beef. See, yet. that's the thing. I was telling now. I'm not crazy about Italian beef. Okay, I'm more of a steak sandwich guy because Italian beef is more of the roast beef side, which I'm not crazy about with the au jus and all that. So when I've gone to Chicago, I've had the Italian beef because you have to have it. In Green Bay, I had the Italian beef because that's big there too. So for me, I'm going to go to a place like this. Italian beef is going to be behind the pizza puff in the in, in the. <laughs> In the order, you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's a Chicago well, item. Know, I know, but but so there are other Chicago items. Like, okay, are you a deep dish guy? I'm not a deep dish. So guy. there you no. go. I should say to you, well, come on, it's a deep dish. But you but like he would still crust. try it. Yeah. I guarantee you. 
but he, he would have a he's slice. He's not going to buy it. My point. He's going to go for what he wants to buy and wants to eat, which is the dog or the pizza puff or the Italian beef, right? Exactly. Yeah. You said it. I'm not going to buy it. Because I don't like it. Right. And if I'm going to just get a slice, I'm going to have to go find that guy because TC's not buying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I have to wait till the next time Al comes to town. <laughs> hey guys, you know, you know what, you know what? I just thought about something. You know, Windy City is is one of the few places that I can ever ever think of, if 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 not the only one, that offers the Chicago style dog three separate ways. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You can go steamed, you can go grilled, or you can go boiled. Which, yeah. which one goes up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down? I don't know, but that's what I couldn't figure out. When she, on the phone, she was going, oh, we, we got the thing that goes up, down, up, down. I don't know. What, what is that? I, I have mean, no idea. I thought she was talking that's about the rollers. That's the rollers. Yeah. Well, she said up, down, so I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm fine with the grill. I'm fine with it all. I, I, I've, had, uh, I've had it all three ways, actually. So. I will eat a hot dog, but that's my least favorite is getting the steamed or boiled hot dog. I agree. Got it grilled. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the grill, and then you got the snap on it there. All right. Well, I'm hungry now. There you go. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, um, I'm glad you enjoyed yourself, Big Al, and your your uh, rendezvous to Vegas. Uh, well, to be continued. Well, I, can honestly, I, can honestly say, I can honestly say this trip, all five flights that I were, was forced to take were absolutely tremendous. For the first time in years, <laughs> No delays, no you know, cancellations, no bumping, no none of that stuff. It was amazing. I can't even imagine. Absolutely amazing. I can't even imagine from here to Miami to Miami to Curacao. And yeah. Charlotte, 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 no Miami. No Miami, Charlotte, okay. Well, Curacao to Miami, come in here then, right? Curacao to Charlotte to this trip. Oh, you go this trip. Okay, well, you've gone Miami before. Whatever. Okay, bottom line, that's a long way. Well, Miami's, Miami's the usual. That's a Miami's long way. The usual. That's a long way, man. That's, yes. a, that's a long trip. All right, man. All right, brother. Uh, pr- appreciate it. Thank you for again uh, for your hospitality and uh, and joining us uh, in studio. Uh, good stuff, man. Well, Thank you, thank you guys so much, Mark. It was great to see you. Uh, you have to, you have to. Uh, Explain to TC what a Zeppeli is, and you know, tell him that that, 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 that those reign supreme, especially out east. I brought him in today. The Zeppelis are here. They're they're here in studio today. I brought them. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, good stuff. The, the dessert much better, much better than the fifteen dollar donuts my daughter bought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, she went to the wrong place. She went to the bougie place. You know, <laughs> got to go to this uh, suggestions. All right, brother. Appreciate the time, man. Be good. You guys have a great one. Great to see all of you. Thank you. There he is Big Al, the guru of professional wrestling and all dining as well, too. No, we got some meals in, man, when he was here. We got some serious meals in. The food and, tour was on display. But here's the thing. The food tour yeah. wasn't really a food tour. It was like going back to two or three different restaurants over and over and over. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we went to one repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. The others were one shots. Okay. Yeah. Well, I thought you went to the the Mexican place more one, than once. Just once. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just now that's been a, a repeat offender. That's, yeah. In the past. Yeah. But I said no. We gotta we gotta mix it up a little bit. It's not really a food tour. That's just kind of going to your normal normal places. It's a food tour when you're bringing somebody into town. 
But see, when he comes into town, I, the food tour gets, uh, minimized a little bit because there's certain places that, that, that he likes yeah. and frequent. And I, same thing when I go to Sacramento. It's like, okay, I got to go to my spots because, you know, I mean, this is what I love. And if I'm here, I'm not going to go, you know, probably try something new or go to a chain restaurant. I'm sure you do that when you go to Pittsburgh, right? Marco, you don't, you don't want to go to like some chain or try something totally, totally new. You want to go to the spots that, you know are good that you probably know people there and you know what you're going to get. There's certain places that I have or regular stops. I never, when I go to a city, want to eat at a chain because I can eat at exactly. the chain. That's my point. Yeah. I'll right. do some, but I'm not, I will try to do one new place every, every trip mm-hmm. because, you know, when I, unlike some people, I want to expand my horizons. See, why the negativity? There's no need for the negativity. Say, oh, that's not a food tour. Oh, you get negativity. I wasn't saying that. No, I was was saying like that's not really a food tour, but you turned it into it is. I was I was thinking you went there a couple times, went there six or seven, 12, 13 times. What are you talking about? The guy was here for four days. And ate there, what, three times? (sighs) Exactly. When you said he? Yeah. Three times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But again, you know, you found a spot and it was a new spot. See, that was the first time you'd been there. So I said, Hey, I got, you know, I'm going to take you to this spot and look at it. You know, you get great food, you get great service, you get the hospitality. You know, you got to go back, plain and simple. There's nothing worse when you go someplace and you go, man, I wasted a meal. I could have went somewhere else and I went to this place. I actually had that experience last night. I'm not going to say where. All right. Went to a spot. Just because it was convenient and he was going to be going to the airport and said, so, uh, it's like, well, I got a couple of the spots that we can go to that will be slam dunk winners. And we went and it was terrible, horrible experience, but the price was right. <laughs> Do you, I, I've picked on you too much already to say what the price hey, pick on me. was. Why, you know, you know why the price is right? It was free. It's caught. Yeah. Because they screwed up the menu. They screwed up the meal. Everyone's meal screwed it up. Oh, sorry. I didn't even ask for it. I didn't have to ask for it. They knew how bad they screwed it up and they go, you know what? We're taking this off your bill. I go, okay. As you should. I mean, should you pay for something that is, doesn't come as advertised or is not cooked properly? Have you ever, are you even a, a, a take back type of guy? Someone overcooks your steak or does something or it's got to be compl- really drastic that I, that I, but you hold it in. Don't you I be do. honest? I do. You do. It's all just right. my, that's lo- why it's my lovable human. No, nature. that's why you're an angry person all, all the time. Cause <laughs> you hold it in so much, right? Do you think it's kind of, I'm going to hold <laughs> I've, I've never had a, a waiter have to spit in my food. So <laughs> I, can, I can sleep for that. It's, I, instead, he'd rather eat something that's horrible that he's upset about and, Pay for it on top of that instead of, you know, you know, you can do if you're worried about that, just say, Hey, you know what? Um, this, this is, is not good. Please take it back. And when they say, okay, can I get you something else? You go, Nope, I'll pass. And that's when, you know, they don't charge you and you can go wherever you want. That's the move. But I'm hungry. (laughs) I said, you go someplace else because if now most people would say, okay, you know, cause you know, spitting in someone's food, I mean, that's like not the common thing that happens, especially if you go to a nice restaurant. I mean, it happens. I, I understand. But but we don't like to think about that. Nope. But you can go to a different spot. Just march on down the road. I don't make ways. <laughs> 
but you hold that anger in, then you need to go see a psychologist. <laughs> a food psychologist. That's what we need. Huh? Uh, you love the slow time of year, don't you? <laughs> a slow college basketball Monday. Oh, I, football. Didn't we already have an open? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh, I think you asked me football. I was going to say, yeah. are we going to talk football? Oh, yeah, we, we haven't really talked. We're hitting football. I know. We're doing the franchise tag. I know. But you know what we got to do first? What do we got to do first? Hear from our famous sponsors who have plenty of great food. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. All right, don't forget to get your tickets for March Madness Hoop Central at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook, March 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Yes, very affordable all-day action Friday and Saturday and Sunday, first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com or at the Westgate, and we'll be broadcasting the show live as we do traditionally on all Thursday and Friday action and we will be at the Westgate for our second consecutive year. And uh, after many years over at the Cosmopolitan, which is fantastic. So just uh, transported over to the Westgate and appreciate everyone over there. Jay Cornegay and John Murray, Chris O'Brien, everybody over there uh, treating us so well, so fantastic. And looking forward to that uh, again at the Westgate Las Vegas. Remember the show there every Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. And on special occasions as well. So Thursday and Friday coming your way. On March the 21st and 22nd, no better place to be than the Superbook or inside the International Theater where you can get your tickets for Hoops Central. All right. Uh, NFL franchise tag. The deadline is coming up on March the 5th. And uh, today, the Cincinnati Bengals are the first team to... Uh, tag one of their players, and that is wide receiver T. Higgins. We knew this was probably going to be coming, but you know, no one likes to be the first. You know, when you're doing this, especially at a certain position. So, obviously, when you look at probably what the the three biggest names that are out there, maybe well, I'll say the two biggest names is T. Higgins and then Saquon Barkley, the running back for the Giants. So, of the the names we expect to get tagged was Higgins from uh, Cincinnati, the wide receiver, Josh Allen, the linebacker from the Philadelphia Eagles, not not the Josh Allen, the quarterback, but Josh Allen, the fine linebacker for the Eagles, and Legereus Sneed, the cornerback of the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. So you have all different positions of your high-profile guys here. So you don't have that really battling. Because so like with Josh Jacobs last year, you know, when you're – Dealing with Barkley is Barkley and Jacobs, Barkley and Jacobs, and nobody wanted to be the first to get that tag. And what happened? You had to basically wait until really late in the game, and then uh, then they both uh, ended up getting tagged. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Josh Jacobs. But um, talking about uh, T. Higgins, um, this move by the Bengals gives them the right to retain Higgins for at least one more year. Should the two sides fail to come to a long-term agreement before July 15th, training camp starts, Higgins will be restricted to a one-year deal that will be will pay him $21.8 million, 
which is the league-wide franchise tag amount for wide receivers for this year. So every position has a designated tag that you are going to get, basically being one of the, you know the top five at that position. How about that wide receiver for this season? And of course, salary camp went, went up last week, twenty-one point eight for T. Higgins. And we know that players really complain about being tagged because they want the right to be able to negotiate. Well, you'll get that right eventually, but it's usually for, you know, guys that are coming off their first tra- uh, contract or maybe the second contract, but uh, not a bad thing for T Higgins to say, Hey man, I'm getting 21.8 million for one season next year. It would be nice if that's the way they looked at it, but like you said, they don't look at it that way. But that because, is the truth, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> sign me up. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's what the NFL has come to, and it's, you know, it makes that first, you know, rookie contract get it squeeze one more year before you have to, mm-hmm. you know, open up the vault, so to speak. And with players like, you know, the wide receiver position and the running back position, You know, especially running back, we know that that's been, you know, the value has gone down on those players and they're, you know, they only have a certain window. You know, running backs take a beating. Wide receivers can last a lot longer, but there's always the next generation. Every year, there's new guys in the draft that are going to be the, you know, the new hot commodity. But Cincinnati's had success with having uh, Chase and T. Higgins on that, you know, two viable weapons for, um, quarterback you know coming back from the injury this year so we'll see what happens you know what's funny about that the, the way you said it was you know running backs uh, are not ter- uh, really taking the wear and tear as they have in years past because they're running the ball less and less and you never see a running back on the field for all three downs of a series think about that i mean now you get certain running backs that are on the field, maybe first and second downs, or you have the third down running back. You got that, but it is such a pass happy league that you know you can make the argument that receivers are getting more wear and tear than the running back, you know, because they're they're more targets and they're you know you can make any rule you want about you know try to protect uh, you know the receiver and all that, but still, man, these guys take a licking. Uh, over and over. So I think it, it, it's pretty physical with both. But here's the thing, too, is that, yeah, the, the they've devalued the running back position because they don't want to, you know, keep a guy or, or or pay him. And they figure, okay, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll go with the younger guy. We'll, we'll draft more running backs. But the running backs that are getting tagged are still making more money than they've ever made before because of the increase of the cap and everything else is going up. So even though they're, People say they're devalued. A running back today is still making more than the running back made six, eight years ago. But they still think they're worth what much more than that. Yeah, that everybody thinks their self worth is you know top of the charts. They want to see it. And once somebody gets a contract, everybody wants to be above that contract. Oh, if he got that, I'm better than him. They want you know that'll do. And it's you know that's why we got to have salary caps. <laughs> And, you know, Josh Jacobs made $11 million last year, and the Raiders did not get their money's worth. No, his stock went down. Went, yeah, and but it's a, it's a real easy answer why it went down, because we talked about this, predicted that this was going to happen. Anytime a guy is going to balk and not show up at OTAs or be late for training camp, 
you're not going to have a good year. I mean, it never works out that way. And first of all, to think that, okay, this guy is going to rush for 1,600 yards like he did two seasons ago. Yeah, and the, and the Raiders knew that. But if you're Josh Jacobs, I get that. This is your opportunity to use that as your negotiating piece. Hey, I led the NFL in rushing. And, you know, smart people upstairs are going to say, granted, but as much as we'd like you to do it again, we know you're not going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And especially you're not going to do it again when you are refusing to show up for any of the off-season workouts and you're going to sh- not show up to training camp. So, yeah. Uh, Josh Jacobs was a major, major disappointment. Last I've year. always said, you know, when players have those banner years and then they want to, you know, I want my contract renegotiated. I've always said, you know, that's fine and dandy. If you want to do that, the owner should have the opportunity to, if you don't have a good year to come back the other way, you know what? We want to renegotiate your contract. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that'll never happen. Yeah. Okay. But, What's good for one? Why isn't it good for the other? Yeah. We have seen a small percentage of guys rework their deals. We'll use Derek Carr as an example. It's not that Carr is going to like really make less money, but he's going to make less. It's deferred. On, uh, yeah. It's deferred. Yeah. Well, actually, the, the reverse. He's getting like the signing bonus now where then where your salary will be a little bit less. But there are guys that said, hey, you know, I will go ahead and – and take less because, you know, we, we see that with a lot of times with basketball where you take the veterans minimum just because I want a shot at a championship and then you have an incentive laden deal. And we're seeing that in the WNBA as well, too. It's like, okay, you know, hey, if I can, you know, be top 10 in scoring or whatever it is or in football, X amount of touchdowns, X amount of yardage. And you, those guys can hit those numbers. But still, you know, when you, when you get the franchise tag, you know, it's it, it's there to protect the team, but it's also there as a fair reward, more than fair reward to the player. But like you said, a lot of them don't view it like that. It's like, man, I'm being labeled. I don't want to be that guy that's labeled. I want to have the right to negotiate a, a long-term deal. And if they can't come to a deal, they said, okay, at least, worst case scenario, buddy, take $21 million, Be happy. Josh Jacobs last year, take $11 million, Be happy. <laughs> but, yeah, that's crazy, man. It's crazy. Enough is never enough. Mm-hmm. So Saquon Barkley, all right? So that's the big one. And here it is again. We're talking about him and Josh Jacobs last year. So we're not talking about Jacobs um, because the Raiders are probably just going to let him go if they can't negotiate a deal, it seems like. With Barkley, um, you know, he's, he's going to get the tag. There's no doubt he's going to get the tag. And then now... It's up to him. Is he going to show up? <laughs> and remember, he didn't show up last year, but then he came and said, you know what? I'm going to be there for my teammates. He didn't miss any training camp, which was cool. Yeah. Back to Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. You would have to think, and we don't know which way the Raiders are going to go at quarterback yet, but that also was the other thing that hurt Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs. He was behind the eight ball at the beginning of the season when he did have a quarterback because he was trying to play catch up for missing the whole uh, training camp. And then whenever they benched Garoppolo, now you're going with a quarterback that's inexperienced and they're going to stack the run. They're going to say, go ahead, you know, Aiden O'Connell, mm-hmm. beat us. <laughs> Show us that you can beat us through the air. And he didn't present that threat. So uh, it was a double edged sword for him having a bad year. I would think that. This year, just off of that, should be better. But 
we don't know the quarterback situation for the thing about it is if you're Josh Jacobs, okay, you just don't know what his attitude is going to be. Now the Raiders are going to try to resign him. They're not going to tag him because if they tag him, now they got to pay him 14 million. Right. So they're not going to pay him 14 million. So they go, okay, so Josh Jacobs, you don't have to worry. You're not going to get the franchise tag because they don't think that much of you now. Mm-hmm. All right. They, you know, if they, it, again, it's a, it's a compliment. It's like, okay, you know, we got to do what's best for us, but we want to keep this guy. We don't want to lose him. So let's tag him. That is a compliment. And again, like I said, he's being rewarded. But now, after the season he had and the shenanigans he played, now you've got a new GM, now you've got a, a new head coach, a new staff, and they're going to say, you know what? You're not playing this with us. You're showing up. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to negotiate in good faith, and this is exactly what the Raiders are doing right now. And negotiate in good faith. They're going to try to re-sign him, but he's not going to get the big, big money. So Josh, if you want to be here, here's the deal. We're not going to tag you because it's going to cost us more money. So... More than likely, that tells me if Josh Jacobs is going to play the hardball stance, he will not be a Raider, and then he'll take his chances, get a breath of fresh air, and say, "Okay, let's 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 see what the, the appetite is, you know, elsewhere." I but think the Raiders this sh- may cut them all together. He's going to get a shot. Somebody is oh, going. Yeah. In, in, yeah. Like I said, I would write last year's numbers off and say that he's going to be not as good as he was two years ago, but he's going to be closer to that this year than last year. There's going to be an improvement if he gets on a team that has any semblance of of a quarterback. So I guess for me, I think that he is, you know, kind of ruined the situation with the Raiders for him, where if he would have, you know, played nice and, negotiated smartly and said the right things and would have shown up to everything else, you'd have a better relationship, you know, with your team, with your executive staff. But now what's the number? Okay. What would the Raiders be willing to pay him? And we'll just say like, since we're talking per season numbers here. All right. What would the Raiders be willing to give him if they had to pay him 11 last year and they weren't happy about that? They're not going to tag him, which would be 14. All right. What what do you think? Just the the Raiders would, what kind of contract would they offer him? I you're going to have to come somewhere around last year's number. It can't. He's not going to take less. So right. You're, you're going to have to go over that. And like you said, they're not going to go to what the franchise tag was because they could have just done that and been done with it. Uh, they'll probably offer him uh, twelve and a half. See, I'm thinking they 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 don't. I think they go a lot less because. They felt like they probably gotten the best years out of him, and they're going to go by what happened last year. And again, I think there's still that kind of bad blood that, you know, I bet they they should offer him less. They should offer him uh, in the nine to ten range, which is still fair for the numbers that he's put up through his career. He's had one good year, and then make it maybe a two year deal. Heck, you want to be nice, you make it a three year deal because he, you know he's still under thirty years old. So, you know, do that. But I don't think anybody else is going to, you know, do that for Josh Jacobs. So, okay, you're already here. Uh, we want, we want you to say, we'll do a three-year deal, you know, we'll package it all up for, you know, say, you know, 27 million and 30, 30 million. He should take that and run with it. He should, but they're not going to offer gonna, him 11 or 12. There's no way. Cause it, that's going to be an insult to him. Why would you pay him more than what you paid him last year? If you're the Raiders, but if you're, Josh Jacobs, and we know the mindset of the athlete, he's not going to take less. 
Yeah. He's going to think he's going to get more on the open market. So the Raiders will have to just, you know, release him. Yeah. And we'll see if there are any other takers out there. I mean, again, if he wants to play football, okay, and he's, his agent is going to say, hey, listen, here's the temperature, okay? You got all these factors going against you. You know, didn't have a good year last year. <sighs> didn't show up. The running back position is, is, is not where it used to be. So, you know, you probably have four or five offers, but they're not going to be what he's expecting. So if you want to stay in the league, you're going to have to take something. But and again, I think these are, are, are still more than what most running backs make anyway. So Tony Pollard, Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs. Those are guys that are going to be looking for new teams because those guys won't be franchised. All right. But because those teams do not want to pay. Now, Derrick Henry is a perfect example. I mean, Henry, we talk about every year. Well, he's he's on the wrong side of 30, you know? And he's taken a beating because yeah. he's been, you know, when he's been able to play a full season, what percentage of, of snaps involve him every week, you know? And, yeah, he's the best running back out of that crop that you said, but it's like buying a, you know, you're buying a card. It's got 75,000 Miles on that used card, or has it got a hundred thousand? Which one are you buying? But you know, for that 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 mileage that he has on him, at any given time, man, you know, I mean, we saw him go off again last year. You know, with, with several over hundred yard games, when again, you know, he's banged up and this and that. Um, if you got other weapons and he doesn't have to be the guy, like in, in Tennessee, we've talked about that so many times. Like, hey, you know, it's Derrick Henry show. They really got nothing, you know, besides him. Heck, they don't have a passing game. I mean, so which running back do you want to put your money on? You want, you want Pollard, Henry, Barkley, Eckler, or Jacobs? Pick one. I think who's uh, your franchise? Saquon Barkley. Yeah. I think for the age and the fact that he played on a team that didn't have a you know a quarterback either, if he would land on a team, you know, where can, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is a perfect example. He was a good player to begin with, but he was stuck in Carolina with nothing around him. I mean, he's become so much you know so much better in San Francisco because there's other threats on the team. But yet he's still the you know the guy that carries the you know carries the load most of the time, mm -hmm. and I think Barkley would be the same thing on another team. There's certain players that you can't say that about Zeke Elliott. You know he had his few years, but that's the classic example of a running back being used too much and done before their prime. Right. Tony Pollard's interesting because he was that's why Elliott. You know, went bye bye with the Cowboys. Like, okay, we're going to put our money in, in Pollard, but, um, you know, he's probably not going to get tagged by the Cowboys, but there's a guy that still has plenty left in the tank. But how good is Tony Pollard? Was he good just because of the Cowboys, you know, solid offensive line? Or is, is he a guy that can, you know, be that guy to take you to the next level? I'm not sure he is. He definitely is a guy that had a ton of other weapons on there. And mm -hmm. you had you had four different people that you had to worry about. The, you know, two good wide receivers there. You know, Dak when he's at home playing well <laughs> and not a playoff game. You know, and then the running game. And it, they were an offensive juggernaut, and that's going to help. You know, any of those players put him on. You said, like you said, if he becomes a workhorse and had to be like a Josh Jacobs and carry an offense, no, not going to happen. Yeah. 
And Austin Eckler is interesting. But He's always hurt. Exactly. Exactly. Always hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, everybody knows it. I mean, this guy is not – I don't believe he's completed a, a season, at least in the last four, where he's been injury-free. No. Hasn't happened. So the exclusive tag for the franchise tag, one-year deal based on the average of the top five salaries at the position, and players cannot negotiate with other teams. That's the exclusive tag. So the non-exclusive tag means that the team can tag – uh, they have the the option to match an, an offer sheet or receive two first round picks if they decline, and the players can negotiate with other teams. Then you, you know, so it's if you're the player, I mean, you know, you'd like to have a, a non exclusive tag, but uh, that that's not coming into play for these guys that we're talking about here. You know, it's going to be one year based. You got to stick with your team and. You're going to make a, a lot of money. But, uh, again, you can't tag a, a, the same player year after year. So that's what gets a little redundant. That's what Josh Jacobs was fearful of. And now Barkley's going to get probably tagged for the second year in a row. So we'll see how this goes. And, again, the Giants. I mean, who's – there's got to be that thing in the back of your mind, too. It's like, okay, it's like what you said with Derrick Henry. It's like the Giants got Saquon Barkley and no one else. Heck, they're going to be in the market for a quarterback. I mean, is Daniel Jones going to be the guy? Why? They have to look really hard at either a free agent quarterback, one of those guys like Kirk Cousins, the guys we talked about on Friday, or Ryan Tannehill or somebody like that, or go in the draft and get somebody. Because right now, Giants aren't going anywhere with or without uh, you know Saquon Barkley if they don't have a quarterback. Forget it. Right? Not a fan of Daniel Jones, that's for sure. Right. Right. There's there's nothing there. All right, uh, some UNLV news um, that uh, Doug Brumfield is retiring from football altogether. And he put out a post that says, I'd like to thank God, my family, first for blessing me with the ability to play football and compete my heart out for the past 18 years of my life. But football is taking me places I would have never seen and taught me lessons and never have learned before. Thank you to Coach Tony Sanchez, Coach Royo, Coach Odom for providing me with opportunity to play football at UNLV for the past four years. I want to thank all my position coaches uh, as well and thank the fans. So Brum- Brumfield was – remember he said going back in December that he was going to come back to UNLV. First it was like he was going to transfer portal. He was going to be gone. Then he goes, no, I'm going to come back. And now all of a sudden he's saying, you know, I want to formally announce that I've decided to uh, medically retire from the game of football. So when he uses that terminology, that sounds like something that's either serious or, you know, a recurring injury just won't go away. And I know, you know, he had the concussion, you know, some concussion problems. That could be it. So a little scary. This guy, he's, you know, he's a big kid. Um, he ended up at UNLV. And of course, at the time he ended up at UNLV, you know, it was one of the doormat programs and it slowly, but surely is not a doormat program anymore. You know, gave a good accounting to themselves last year, winning record, you know, went to the guaranteed rate bowl, played Kansas, uh, Brumfeld, you know, basically lost his job pretty much due to injury. But even when he was healthy, he was, uh, you know, he was not on the field. So, too bad because he's a kid that, uh, you know, sacrificed a lot to come to UNLV. Probably could have went, played somewhere else. 
and um, took a lot of hits, you know, for some bad football teams early on. So officially retiring due to a, a medical condition, which isn't going into. See what happens uh, with uh, UNLV uh, going forward. And now UNLV, they got some quarterback issues right now. <laughs> Have a little success, you know, and uh, their quarterback who who was a freshman last year goes elsewhere. But I think, you know, Barry Odom is going to be able to find another quarterback. He's gotten a lot of people to stay. And for maybe the first time, Marco, ever, go to the transfer portal, you got kids that aren't going to mind coming to UNLV, believe it or not. Yeah, last year definitely, you know, helped the program a lot. Playing at Allegiant Stadium, you know, the Raiders' home, obviously is a good draw. But, you know, going back, you know, to the quarterback, there has to be something serious because the job kind of fell back into his lap. You right. Know, you know, for him not to, you know, want to do that um, does sound like, you know, maybe there is more there than we know about because if he wanted to continue to play football and have any chance of, you know, playing beyond the collegiate level, I mean, he just gave all that up. Mm-hmm. Another story uh, we're going to hit on here real quick is uh, Cam Newton. And I know you saw a video of uh, this day. So Cam Newton was uh, uh, sponsoring a uh, seven-on-seven, uh, you know, passing league, which a lot of players uh, get involved with, uh, especially quarterbacks. And uh, so over the weekend, he was uh, uh, at this event and basically um, got jumped. Yeah. Right? And this what didn't happen on the field. This happened at uh, the top of the steps and in front of a, an area where people were, were gathering. Uh, I know there, you know, it was right in front of a tent where – they had some 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 sign up stuff and it was like the sign up tent for the seven on seven passing camp tournament. And next thing you know, punches are being thrown and and Cam Newton has himself involved in something that he shouldn't be, once again. Yeah, I mean I saw the the video surfaced, you know, early this morning and saw everything, and later in the afternoon some reports are coming out that this was a carryover that over the weekend with the seven on seven stuff that, you know, Cam was, you know, talking a little bit of trash, you know, trash talking with, you know, some of the other teams and stuff there. So we don't know the whole story, but uh, the one thing that you did see, he was by himself, got jumped by multiple people, and he was able to throw several of them off of himself. I mean, he handled himself uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, probably all those bad offensive lines that he had at Carolina made him use for fighting people off uh, yeah. like that, but. Cam's a big boy. There's, you know, no. He had a crew. He had he had a crew that was there. That that uh, the TSP crew, right? Mm-hmm. They uh, they 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 tried to jump him and blindside him with a punch. And obviously, this something like this was orchestrated. Crazy. What's crazy though? Usually, pro athletes don't don't they generally have an entourage of security with yes. them everywhere they go? Yes. Yes. Where were they? Were yeah. they on their coffee break or uh, what? I, you know, maybe he's he's flying solo, man. <laughs> I have no idea. College basketball tonight. Not much of a card. It's too bad because Mondays I used to love back in the day the big, big Monday, Monday, Big Twelve, Big West. Back when UNLV was in the Big West, right? Uh, tonight, not much to offer, man. The the marquee game is Baylor and TCU. TCU is a two and a half point favorite. Baylor coming off that tough. Uh, Overtime loss. They were spent because uh, they they were getting drilled in that game on on Saturday. Uh, to, uh, Houston. They came storming back, down sixteen at the half. 
And uh, Baylor came back, had a chance to win, missed the free throw. Game goes to overtime, and then Houston ends up winning. Houston now the number one team in the nation. But uh, you like TCU in this one, huh? It's the situational spot. You Because of that game on Saturday, it was such a huge game for them. It was a home game for them. But remember, Baylor's not playing in their normal home stadium uh, arena this year, waiting on the new facility. No, they're playing in their new one. They're... Every yeah. time I say it, the oh no, that's that's a brand new. It's done. It's this, done. This is their first year. They, yeah. all, well, the place that, where I use the logs, they, they have the asterisk on it, like oh. the, like the home neutral. Oh, okay, okay, because yeah, 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 yeah. it's not there. It wasn't their official, but it is yeah. the new home. Uh, but it, the thing is, they're coming off that game. They got to travel from Saturday to Monday. Now it's not a, a big travel spot because they're playing TCU, but they got Kansas on deck. Yeah. So you want to talk about a sandwich spot. You're coming off the number two team in the country at the time, just took over number one spot. And then you got the big gun, you know, name wise of the big 12, Kansas, uh, on deck. I just don't, I play TCU in this game strictly on the spot. Mm-hmm. Situational spot. TCU's played some pretty good ball. Again, fighting for an NCAA uh, tournament berth. Uh, you know, but this is what we get. And we talked about this on Friday. You get battles night in and night out. I mean, there are no nights off. There is no softies in the big 12. So, you know, these guys are used to that. Baylor's made long, you know, tournament runs, uh, again, but they're a little bit banged up. Love is hurt tonight. So that's, that hurts. I think, I think Baylor, uh, frankly, I'm kind of surprised that TC is maybe not favored by a little bit more. But again, when you got that ranking next to your name, they're number 11 and TC is not ranked. But we'll see how that goes tonight. Yeah, and again, you talk about it right now. If you put it on, who's the best conference? Mm-hmm. Big Twelve, yeah, without doubt. Yeah, I like the Big Top East. To I like the Big East. Again, it doesn't hurt when you got the number one team in UConn there, and you've got you know. But again, yeah, we're talking about depth, depth wise, blue bloods and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And let's let's you know, and then we'll put the SEC in there as well too. Kentucky, they got the big victory. On Saturday again, they just Alabama keep turns beating each other up. They though. do. All these, I do. All these. They do. Upsets. Tennessee. But you got three teams right there. Basically, three top ten teams. So um, throw out Alabama and Auburn too. Yeah. Um, as I said, Alabama, Kentucky, and um, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. 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 And throw Auburn. Yeah. They can come up and, and get you any point in time uh, as well. All right. Uh, I want to thank C.J. Watson for joining us today. Ten-year NBA veteran, Las Vegas native. Good talking to him. Go uh, check out his website. Does a lot of great stuff here in the community. Uh, C.J. Watson uh, does a great job with his uh, quietstormfoundation.org. Go check that out. All right. Uh, back at it again tomorrow. Some terrible Tuesday takes and thoughts as well. Rolling along with a lot of basketball this week. Marco, appreciate it. Go check out Marco at... Uh, wagertalk.com as well. Got any hockey? Got any hockey coming up? I've got a road trip coming up at the end of the month. That's it? All right. All right. Uh, For Numbchuck and Marco TC saying so long, go to the website, check everything out there at tcmartinshow.com. We're back at it tomorrow at 2. Have yourself a good rest of your Monday.